Oh, God, dear. Oh, oh, hello, Mr. Pike. Haughty, wayward tomboy, Kenneth Williams. Absolute rubbish. Homegrown. What name? Ancock, H. Hey, Hen, C. Ho, C. K. The H is optional. Here to express your collective astonishment is John Otto Glee. Oh, no! The classic comedy hour. Weekday lunchtimes at 12 and again in the evening at 7. And this evening at 7, our classic comedy is Round the Horn. Until then, here's Nick. Enter the seventh dimension. BBC Radio 4 Extra. Is it Nick Briggs? Is what Nick Briggs? Yes, I am. What? Anyway, coming up tonight, in a moment, he's a producer, a sound designer, a dramatist, and probably a real-life superhero. Maybe. It's Dirk Maggs, and he'll be with me to introduce the second episode of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. Following that, after another chat with Dirk, we begin a reading of Brian Aldous's epic, mind-stretching novel of the Earth transformed in the far, far, far distant future, Hothouse, with the vocal talents of Gareth Thomas. So, it's time now for episode two of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. Dirk Maggs is here. Hello. Hello, Nick. Dirk, you dramatised this novel, directed some of the episodes, and did the sound design. Can you set up episode two for us? I I can, with pleasure. Uh, Richard Mayhew is a young Scotsman who's come down to London and got a super job, and then he's messed things up by going and rescuing a poor injured girl in the gutter who turns out not to belong to London as we know it at all, but to be uh, someone from London below, which is the world under London, the sort of mythical, historical, magical world of, uh, of warring factions and baronial fealties and a real rich mixture of subcultures that we have no idea exist down there. And Richard's now actually, as a part of a group, trying to find uh, his way back up to the life he knows, but it's not as easy as that. And this is a wonderful episode. We meet the Earl of Earl's Court, and at the very beginning of the episode, we meet the enigmatic Angel Islington. If ever thou gavest holes and then every night and all Sit thou down and put them on And Christ receive thy soul Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman Episode 2, Earl's Court No, no, there are no such things as angels. Richard, just leave it. Ah, yes, Richard, I understand you now. There are no such things as angels. Just as there are no shepherds in Shepherd's Bush... And no such place as London below. There are no shepherds in Shepherd's Bush. I've been there. It's all overpriced houses and a huge shopping centre. There are shepherds. Pray you never meet them. (laughs) I'm sorry. Look, I still don't believe there are flocks of angels wandering about down here. There aren't. Just the one. 
Ah, this seems to be locked, my lady. Please? Aprete. Maybe we're just thinking about different things. The angels I have in mind are the wings and halos, trumpets, peace on earth and goodwill unto mankind. That's right. You have it. Angels. Keep to the right. Well, I don't think I've been this way before. It's certainly the driest route, my lady. Dear non-existent diary. On Friday, I had a job, a fiancé, a home and a life that made sense. Then I found an injured girl bleeding on the pavement and I tried to be a good Samaritan. Now... I've got no fiancé, no home, no job, and I am walking around a couple of hundred feet under the streets of London with the life expectancy of a suicidal mayfly. Richard! Stop daydreaming! Turn right! All these tunnels look the same. How, how can you tell which one is which? You can't. We're hopelessly lost. We'll never be seen again. In a couple of days, we'll be killing each other for food. Really? Don't be stupid. Very funny. Didn't you find it funny, though? There are hundreds of people in this other London. London below. Thousands, maybe. People who come from here, or people who have fallen through the cracks in my reality. I'm wandering around with a girl belonging to the local aristocracy called Door. Will you two be quiet? Hunter, her Amazon of a bodyguard, and the Marquis de Carabas, who's a frock-coated, frilly-shirted know-all. What was that? Keep walking! were being pursued by two of the most sinister men I have ever met. The men who murdered Dor's family, Krupp and Vandemar. Left here. Thank you, Hunter. I want to go home. Underline that last sentence three times, please, in red ink. The Marquis says we may find a way to make that happen, but I just can't see how. Maybe this mythical angel is the answer. Lights ahead! Bank station! How do we get to this angel? We take the tube, silly. Through here. Lady Door, stay close to me. The next westbound train will arrive... Hey, 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 Door? Yes? That busker can see me. He definitely looked at me. This is good, this is good. Maybe I'm not so invisible today. Don't get your hopes up. It's, uh... It's Leah, isn't it? Might be. Hmm, how's business? Been better, Marquis. Ah, well, you know, I might be able to help you there. In exchange, of course. For what? We're after Earl's court. Would you happen to have such a thing as a train timetable about your person? I don't know. Hmm. I'd have to check. <clears throat> is this like Earl's court isn't just a tube station? Now you're getting it. I doubt he is. Thank you, Hunter. Don't mention it. Oh. Only one timetable left, Marquis. Uh, thank you. Uh, 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 no touch. What's in it for me? Well, you know, they say that Merlin's master Blaze once wrote a tune so beguiling that it would charm the coins out of the pockets of anyone who heard it. That'd be worth more than just a timetable mm -hmm. if you actually had it. <laughs> well, then, I suppose you would have to owe me, wouldn't you? Let me hear it first. And it had better work. I'll play it for you. Don't I? Probably not. It's the spell that sucks you in, not the tune. Don't listen. What? 
oldies, mate. There you go. That's a two-pound coin. Mazel tov. Ah, but a word to the wise. Don't overuse it. A little goes a long way. Timetable. Here. Thanking you. I'm down, lead on. Mr. Vandermar, I, for one, have had almost as much as I'm willing to take. Almost. We should butcher the bitch and now cancel inhume and amortize her. Lady Draw. No more. <laughs> no. Croup and Vandermar, no body too rotted, no murder too foul. For you. Mr. Croup here? Oh, it's you, sir. At present, as you requested, she is walking around free as a daisy. I'm afraid your bodyguard idea went down like a dead baboon. Varney, yes, yes, he's, he's quite dead. Sarah, I am commencing to have a certain conceptual problem with this role of myself and my partner in these shenanigans. Unprofessional? Us, sir? Might I, with due respect, remind you that Mr. Vandermar and myself burned down the city of Troy. We brought the Black Plague to Flanders. We tortured to death an entire monastery, assassinated a dozen kings, five popes and two accredited gods. And we are utterly professional. Well, I like doing them, monks. My point? My point is that we are assassins. We kill. <laughs> What about the upwelder? Why can't we kill him? What exactly do you mean by scare her? We're, we're, we are cutthroats, not scarecrows. <laughs> yes, yes, I understand, but I, I, I don't like it. Why don't... Why don't you die? Scarecrows, Mr. Crook. Scarecrows. Crows. Family Corvidae. Collective noun, a murder. The next westbound train will arrive in two minutes. Please mind the gap when you enter and leave the train. Mind the gap. Or in luck. The Earl's Court train is on time. Yeah, I'm the only one that's actually got an Oyster card. Earl's Court station isn't on the central line. What a refreshing mind you have, young man. There really is nothing quite like total ignorance. Uh, Lady Dual, can I have a quiet word? <laughs> Fine. There is something that perhaps I should have mentioned. Oh, here, here, here. Hunter, look, 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 look. It's a little mouse in the tracks. Yes? I've often wondered how they don't get electrocuted. The girl may not be entirely pleased to see me. Don't go too near to the edge of the platform, Upwelder. Eh? All right, mind the gap and all that. Look, I'm not going to fall in, Hunter. It's not the tracks you need to beware of. Your feet, man. Look uh, at your feet. What? There's a little bit of smoke, but I don't know. That's not smoke. Step back. What? Well, uh, I can't. Uh, Hunter, this is pulling me. Oh. Hold tight! Hunter, Hunter, your hands slipping. Please, pull! Please don't let go. Please. hands! I can't get my leg free. Come on! 
What was that? I don't think it has a name. They live in the gaps. I did warn you. I have been on the tube hundreds of times and I have never seen anything like that. You weren't part of the underside before. Just wait by the wall. It's safer. Go into the wall. Go into the wall. The train approaching this platform is not in service. Doing dawdling back there, Richard. Going back from the wall. Door, Richard, stay close by me. This is our train. You, uh, you think? The train's all dark, your doors are closed. Oh, give me strength. Hello? <laughs> Who knocks? The lady door and her companion. Enter and be known. Come, my lady. Thank you. Come on, Richard. Hold tight, please! Uh, sorry about that. I um, seem to have got my sleeve caught in your... Uh, is that chain mail? Richard, stay by me. <laughs> they put a medieval court in a tube train. How about that? Harold, the fun fair! Coming through, coming through, manager, bet. <laughs> Just get in the spit. Here's <laughs> Grace, the Dagvard. <laughs> Where's the throne gone? This way, Your Grace. End of the carriage. Sid, please give up your seat for the elderly. Molly, cuddling nonsense. What's up with him? Does he get Alzheimer's or something? Excuse me? Well, he's wearing chain mail, a fur coat and pyjama bottoms. It's just the Earl, that's all. All rise in the carriage! Sit down, sit down. I'm coming, I'm coming. Oh, oh, oh pretty uncle. Uh, weren't thou coming? Thou would stand and wear a smile yet. Oh, shut up. Up my cushion. <sighs> Door. If there's an Earl in Earl's court, does that mean there's a Baron in Baron's court? Yes, shh. Right. Dagbad. Visitors to the Earl's court, state your business. I am the Lady Door. The Lord Portico was my father. Did she say she was Portico's oldest girl, fool? Why, Uncle, the answer hinges upon whether her opening remark hath entranced you. What in fornication are you talking about? Uh, yes, she's Portico's daughter. Oh, I'm wasted. Wasted? Come here, my dear. Let me look at you. Your servant, Your Grace. We were all quite devastated to hear of your father's unfortunate. Well, all your family. Tuli! What? Make jokes at them, Tuli. Earn your keep. Oh, let your mind up. <clears throat> Yes, Uncle, and who might this floppy dyed drink of water be? Are you talking to me? Me? Uh, me? Nah, Uncle, tis not a man, but stares like a moon calf. And you? I am called Hunter. <laughs> Did he say something funny, Richard? <coughs> no, but I think you should get your coat you've pulled. And who be you, tall, dark, and oddly familiar? <coughs> I, uh... I call myself the Marquis de Carabas. I know you, de Carabas. I negotiated the peace treaty between your people and Raven's court, and in return, you agreed to provide me a, a little favor. A little favor? I lost a dozen men to your foolishness in the retreat from White City. Your Grace, de Carabas is here with me as my guest and my companion. For the fellowship there has ever been between your family and mine. For the friendship between my father... He abused my hospitality. I swore that if he ever again entered my domain, I would uh, uh, have him gutted and dried, uh, like something that's been um, gutted first and then dried. Perchance a kipper, uncle. Shut up. 
Guards! Seize him! Your Grace! The Marquis is with me as my companion on my quest. Our families have been friends for a long time now. Yes, yes, they have. Hundreds of years. Hundreds and hundreds. Shall we gut de Carabas, Your Grace? <sighs> I will not have him here. Swords away! Uh, my lady, I will obviously be of more use to you off this train than on. And I have other avenues to explore. If you go, we all go. No, no, no. Hunter will look after you as long as you stay in London below. I'll meet you at the next market. Don't do anything stupid in the meantime. Will you let him go in peace, Your Grace? Just make him go. Oh, yes, and to Calabas? Ah, uh, yes, Your Grace. Next time, <laughs> Kipper. Yes, Your Grace. Now buzz off. Hold on, hold on. Not, are we at a station? No, it's okay. I will walk back up the line. You can go with him if you want. <laughs> right, are you kidding me? So, Lady Dor, what brings you to my court? My father's death, Your Grace. Ah, you seek vengeance. Vengeance? Yes, that was what my father said. But I want to understand what happened and to protect myself. My family had no enemies. So I seek the Angel Islington. Oh, all right. Very well. We should talk somewhere private. Come to the library. Oh, stop it! Oh, please! Why don't you all leave me alone? Marky! Marky! Is that you? <laughs> I told you not to overuse it, Leah. Naughty. H help me! They won't leave me alone! Well, you know, there is a counter charm. Do it! Please! Anything to get rid of them! Very well. <laughs> they nearly killed me. Well, I did warn you. You know, I think you owe me another favour. <sighs> of course you do. I wouldn't be surprised if you set it all up so that I did. All right, what? I find myself in rather urgent need of a piece of Tang Dynasty sculpture, and you are the man to get it for me. You're involved with... with Group and Vandemar? That needn't concern you. Not if you do as I ask. Now, off you go. I have to see a man about an insurance policy. Come through, come through. Richard, you're gawping. This has got to be an optical illusion. In a manner of speaking? I thought you said this was a library. It looks more like a, I don't know, a lost property office. Oh, by the way, it's in a tube carriage with stone walls. As London below works, so does the Earl's domain. Things lost, things forgotten. It all ends up here, together. No, uh, there was a reason I asked you here. The Angel Islington, Your Grace. Oh, yes, yes, of course. How can we get to the Angel Islington? Only once, by the quick way. After that, you have to go the long way down. Dangerous. And the quick way is? No, 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 no. Need to be an opener to use it. Only good for Portico's family. Your Grace, I am Portico's eldest daughter. 
How do I get to the Angel Islington? So you are. Yes, so you are. Portico's daughter. Well, of course, you use the Angelus. Of course, of course. Uh, where is that scroll? Uh, uh, yes, 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 yes. Here, here you go. It's all written here. And I suppose we'd better drop you off where you need to go. You can drop us off on a train. Oh, think nothing of it. Anything for Portico's daughter. You'll need to get out. Next stop, British Museum. Uh, there's not a stop at the British Museum. There isn't? Oh, then you must be very careful as you get off the train. <laughs> you hear that, Tooley? I'm as funny as you are. Whoa, form an orderly queue, you lot. Come on. Pigeons to the right, starlings to the left. Yeah, you want lovely breadcrumbs and some stale cornflakes, you lucky lot. <laughs> ah, oh, now that, my cheeky sparrows, is a view. <laughs> Too high up that shard. Ooh, nicer here. Dome of St. Paul's to shelter old Bailey from the east wind. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Oi, who's there? Oh, it's only the Marquis. Uh, I heard you'd moved on, old Bailey. Yeah, yeah, too windy up there. My bones get colder. Mm. I like it down here in the city. I'm a roof man. I am proud of it, not a pole squatter. Yeah. And look at that sky. No two alike. <laughs> what a beauty. Yes, it's really very nice. You... <laughs> Didn't come for the view. What do you want? Knowledge or birds? Information, actually. Oh, well, that's a turn up for the books. What do you trade for it? Well, what do you need? Well, um, shoes and a balaclava helmet and new gloves, because it's going to be an horrible winter. <laughs> Very well, I'll bring them to you. Ah. Now, you tell me about this little chap? Where did you lift this from? It was Lord Portico's. Looks like an amulet or a fetish. Yeah. I think it's a toy. No, no, no. This is no toy. It's a token. This is the Great Beast of London. Right. Yeah. Do elaborate. Uh, well, they say that... Back in the first King Charlie's day, mm -hmm. before the fire and the plague this was, there was a butcher lived down by the Fleet Ditch, and he had some poor creature he was going to fatten up for Christmas. One night in December, the beast ran away, ran into the Fleet Ditch and vanished into the sewers, and it fed on the sewage, and it grew, and it grew, and it got meaner. And nastier. They said in hunting parties after it from time to time. So it would have died 300 years ago? Ah, things like that. They're too vicious to die, too old and big and nasty. I thought it was just a legend. Yeah. Here, have it back. Oh, thank you. Speaking of which, do you want your little box back? The one you give me for safekeeping? It fair gives me the creepy shivers having it around. Uh, I'll take it back when all this is over. Let's just hope that you don't have to use it. 
How will I know if I do? Oh, you'll know. And the rats will tell you what to do with it. Well, I hope. Hope I never finds out, that's all I can say. Boy! Don't forget the shoes is in the gloves, is! There never was a British Museum station. This is all wrong. It was closed down in about 1933 and sealed off. Are there any more like this? About 50. They aren't all accessible, though. Not even to me. Uh, door. Um, over there, there's a rat. Oh? Oh! Hello. How are you? Thank you. I'm glad you aren't dead, too. Door, could, could you uh, do me a favour? Could you tell the rat something from me? Uh, Miss Whiskers says that if there's anything you've got to say to her, you can tell it to her yourself. She understands the upworld a ton. <laughs> right, Miss Whiskers. Um, uh, uh, well, hello there, uh, Miss Whiskers. Look, uh, there was one of your rat speaker people. Uh, she was a really nice girl. She was called Anesthesia. And she was taking me to this market, right? Um... We were crossing a bridge in the dark, and she was taken, but... Well, she just never made it across, and I can't help but feel that if I hadn't turned up, I... Uh-huh. She says that the rats do not blame you for the loss. Your guide was... Mm, taken by the night, as tribute. But I just don't feel that I... Sometimes they come back. She has taken note of your concern. Oh, and she thanks you for it. She's going. Um, if she comes back, say I'm sorry. Well, she's told me the way out. Lady, are you going to London above? That's right. The British Museum. But I have to stay in London below. Hunter, you're my bodyguard. I am your bodyguard in London below. I cannot go with you to London above. What is it? Some kind of curse or something? In a manner of speaking. Very well. Come on, Richard. I will wait for you here, till you return. Yeah, do you think that the Marquis knew about her curse, or whatever it is? Yes, I expect he did. That Marquis, man. You know, to be honest, he seems a little bit dodgy to me. Yeah, he's a little bit dodgy. In the same way that rats are a little bit covered in fur. <laughs> then why'd you go to him for help? Was there somebody else you could have turned to? Somebody else that you could have sent me to find? We'll talk about it later. All right. Ah, dead end. Should you turn back? You forget. I'm an opener. Yeah, the Earl said that, but I didn't know what he was talking about. Remember when I was hurt and you carried me back to your flat? Yeah. You thought you'd left the door on the latch, but you hadn't. It was locked. And I opened it. That was you? That's amazing, but listen, that's not going to help us here. There's no doors, it's all bricked up. An opener doesn't need an opening. We make them. A pretty. Oh my goodness! That is amazing! How'd you get the bricks to slide about like that? That's a really useful talent. Through we go. <laughs> Have you ever thought about a career in burglary? There's nothing I'd want to steal. Okay, lots of statues under dust sheets, so I'm thinking museum storage area. I think this is where the Angelus is. Let's look at the scroll. Well, it's definitely in the museum, and so are we. And I'm... 
I'm suddenly wishing we'd stayed back with your bodyguard. What do you need guarding from, Richard Mayhew? Them. What? No, mister, I'm so clever and know everything, Marquis. No. Oh, didn't I tell you? Whoops. I can't go upstairs, Hunter. Leave us alone. Ah, oh, would that we could. We're here to spoil your day. What do you want? We want to hurt you both. Rather a lot. If you want to hurt her, you're going to have to kill me first. Oh, fine. Thank you very much. Not yet, though. You see, right now we're here to worry you. To make things more interesting. Lady Dor, you visited Earl's Court today. So? So how did we know that? How did we know where to find you now? What are you getting at? I can get to you any time at all. You've been sold out, little ladybird. There's a traitor in your nest, a cuckoo. Richard? Run! Bid them farewell, Mr. Vandermar. Slow down, slow down. I think we've lost them. Are you okay? Tired. Opened a lot of doors today. And the beast said there's a traitor. They were winding us up, trying to upset us. Doing a bloody good job of it as well. Yeah, I think something's going on up ahead. Look, lots of lights and people. Where are we? Uh, the squirrel says we're right on top of the Angelus. Well, I reckon it's in that room with the party going on. Well, it says here it's got a picture of it, so it can't be that hard to find. All right, come on. Temple and Arch, we're sunk. <sighs> That's the best place to hide a big picture of an angel. In a room packed with thousands of pictures of angels? In episode two of Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman, Richard was played by James McAvoy and Dor by Natalie Dormer. The Marquis de Carabas was David Harewood, Hunter, Sophie Okanedo, Krupp, Anthony Head, and Vandermar by David Schofield. The Earl of Earl's Court was Christopher Lee, Islington, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Old Bailey, Bernard Cribbins. Thule was Andrew Sachs, Halvard, Paul Stonehouse, Dagvard, Ben Crow, and the Herald, Robert Blythe. Leah was David Tuan, and the underground announcer, Patrick Brennan. Additional music was performed by David Tuan and Declan Daly. Other parts were played by members of the cast. Neverwhere, Episode 2, Earl's Court, was dramatized by Dirk Maggs and directed by Heather Lama. The sound design was by Dirk Maggs, and the producer was Heather Lama. And you can, of course, hear episode three of Neverwhere at the same time tomorrow here in the seventh dimension. Dirk Maggs, who brought the whole thing to life for radio, is still with me. Hello, oh, Nick. Hello. I'm still here. <laughs> Dirk, anyone who likes their sci-fi, fantasy or superheroes on radio must have heard of you, surely. I know I have. Well, basically, in the uh, in the early 90s, I, I made Superman and Batman serials for Radio 4, believe it or not, and then for uh, Radio 1, and we did uh, Judge Dredd and Spider-Man. And, uh, and then I, I did a few uh, bits and bobs, including um, a wonderful series I love doing by Stephen Baxter called Voyage, which is one of my mm. favourite jobs ever, about a what-if-we'd-gone-to-Mars sort of story in the late 90s. And then in the 2000s... Um, I was very fortunate because of the Supermans, Douglas Adams had heard my work and really liked it, and he felt I was the chap to 
finished The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in its original radio incarnation. Sadly, he died before we could do it, but we did manage to finish Hitchhiker's, the last three series in the mid-2000s. Uh, we now tour it as a stage show, for which I do sound effects and play the drums. <laughs> <laughs> I also do small plumbing jobs. <laughs> Sweep the floor on the way out. Sweep the floor on the way out. <laughs> um, so coming to Neverwhere and having known uh, Neil and I, in a way, are sort of both protégés of Douglas slightly. We've known each other for years, and, and so doing Neverwhere was a sort of culmination of a long, long ambition, and uh, it's been so much fun to work on and with such a wonderful cast thanks Turk and um, you'll be back with us tomorrow you know I hope so BBC Radio 4 Extra The Seventh Dimension Time now for us to start our five-part reading of Brian Aldiss's wonderfully strange vision of the far-flung future of Earth Hot House read by Gareth Thomas Obeying an inalienable law, things grew, growing riotous and strange in their impulse for growth. The heat, the light, the humidity, these were constant, and had remained constant for nobody knew how long. Nobody cared any more for the big questions that begin how long or why. It was no longer a place for mind. It was a place for growth, for vegetables. It was like a hothouse. In the green light some children came out to play. Alert for enemies, they ran along a branch, calling to each other in soft voices. A fast-growing berry-whisk moved upwards to one side, its sticky crimson mass of berries gleaming. Clearly it was intent on seeding, and would offer the children no harm. They scuttled past. Beyond the margin of the group strip, some nettle moss had sprung up during their period of sleep. It stirred as the children approached. "'Kill it!' Toy said simply. She was the head child of the group. She was ten, had lived through ten fruitings of the fig trees. The others obeyed her, even Gren. Unsheathing the sticks every child carried in imitation of every adult, they scraped at the nettle moss. They scraped at it and hit it. Excitement grew in them as they beat down the plant, squashing its poisoned tips. Clat fell forward in her excitement. She was only five, the youngest of the group's children. Her hands fell among the poisonous stuff. She cried aloud and rolled aside. The other children also cried, but did not venture into the nettle moss to save her. Struggling out of the way, little Clat cried again. Her fingers clutched at the rough bark. Then suddenly she was tumbling from the branch. The children saw her fall onto a great spreading leaf several lengths below, clutch it and lie there quivering on the quivering green. She looked pitifully up at them, afraid to call. "'Fetch Lily-O!' Toy told Gren. Gren sped back along the branch. Swiftly he ran to the headwoman's hut. "'Clat has fallen!' cried Gren. With her stick, Lily-O rapped sharply on the bow before running on ahead of the child. Her signal called out the other six adults. They hastened from their nut-huts, weapons ready, ready for attack or flight. Both children and adults gathered round Lily-O when she looked down at Clat, still sprawled some way below on her leaf. "'Lie still, Clat! Do not move!' called Lilio. "'I will come to you!' Clat obeyed that voice, though she was in pain and fear, staring up hopefully towards the source of hope. 
She was still looking up when green teeth sprouted through the leaf all about her. Jump, clat! Lilio cried. The child had time to scramble 